Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for joining us on Toronto today. Great to be back. 13 days away was too long, but I enjoyed my time off. I hope you had a great Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's, however you celebrate, whatever holiday is it is. I hope it was wonderful. Uh, we had John Tory on the show today, Mayor of Toronto, and a lot of topics to get in with him. So we moved as quickly as we could. We talked about Ontario Place, especially the Ontario Place parking lot. We talked about crime in the city, the TTC, and the police budget circling back to the crime issue, which is also a mental health and mental illness issue to some extent, given some of what's happened here. We covered as much as we could in the time we had with Mayor Tory coming up right now on Toronto Today. Still think it's early enough because it's not mid-February to wish Happy New Year to John Tory. John, thanks very much for coming on the show. I'm with you. It's only five days into the New Year, so Happy New Year to you and your listeners as well. I'm totally with you on that. There are all those. There are those people that drop it in around March break, and you're like, "Where have you been for ten weeks? We're we're deep into it by now." They still have their Christmas lights up too. That's it. That's exactly it. Before the kids go back to school, um, a lot of budget announcements this week, and and we want to have you on to talk uh, about the police budget, but there's there's others we can we can get to. Let's talk about policing. What um, had this been on your mind for some time that this was indeed necessary, or did the last four months of the year and some of what you you saw in terms of the data and some of the violent stories that that got to the top of the headlines. You know this business well. Um, how how much did that factor into you saying we need to spend more money and, and put it in the right places? Well, it just reinforced my resolve because I had gone during the election campaign and made it very clear as part of my own platform on which I sought a mandate that I would not uh, engage in defunding of the police, which some call for. Some people call for that, including one member of council in particular. Uh, And I indicated that we would have to take a look at uh, having some additional resources put in place because of some of the trends on things like carjacking and other kinds of crimes. I mean, I should note that, um, you know, in terms of encouraging work that the Toronto police are doing and uh, other organizations organizations out there. Uh, homicides were down, shootings were down last year, but uh, there were other categories of crime that weren't, and there were these kinds of incidents you've made reference to that were happening. So uh, it was a resolve that I had over the course of the year, fueled by what people told me during the election, which is they want to make sure this city remains one of the safest in the world, and that in order to do that, there's a whole lot of things you have to do, change some of the laws, uh, invest more in community, uh, in communities, neighborhoods, families, and kids, and also, though, support the police by giving them the resources that they need, some additional resources. Is is there data from other major North American cities that show that that are very, very profound in the last, let's say, five, six years that show more police equals less crime? Well, you know, a lot of people will say that you have to sort of have that kind of measurement. Are there da- is there data that shows more community investments or changes to the bail laws involve less crime? It's a complicated, mm-hmm. probably one of the most complicated issues together with uh, homelessness, which is also a very complicated issue. And the bottom line is, I think you have to do all of these things in order to produce better results. You have to invest in kids and families, which we're doing through different kinds of programs. You have to support the police and give them the resources they need. Let's remember, this is a city that's growing by 70 to 100,000 people every year. And I think it just stands to reason that while we've done things to take some of the burden off police, like have mental health professionals answer calls for people in distress, there also are more people to keep safe uh, in the city. Uh, And I think also that goes along with uh, changing some of the laws. I mean, we just can't have uh, things happening that increase the burden on the police by having, say, uh, people charged with firearms offenses getting out on bail over and over and over again. So there's no simple answer that says more police equals less crime. Um, there's a formula that you have to put together to try to get it right to reduce crime, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I think we're we're looking through the we're through the looking glass in the last four months. I think we've had four police, uh, though, though none working 
for TPS, but we've obviously had four police murdered since September, the two in Innisfil, the terrible situation that happened in Barrie last week. And and I think and even what transpired with uh, with the rampage in Saskatchewan and when we're looking obviously to to not jail people for menial things like drug possession, but we absolutely um, all these cases, uh, Mayor, have had scenarios where people, you know, I either eluded the bail system or skirted their way around it. And these are people that should never have been on the streets and they certainly shouldn't have been anywhere near a weapon. Well, look, I totally buy, I'm a lawyer, so I understand they teach you in law school and we all understand as citizens the presumption of innocence. We all mm-hmm. want that applied to us if we were charged with a criminal offense. However, when people are charged over and over again, the police will give you examples, not me. Let, let the police give you the examples of people who are charged three and four times with firearms offenses. These are the people carrying guns, trafficking in guns, using guns, uh, and they're charged three and four times with these offenses and get out on bail each of these times. I mean, there, there does come a point where you have to say, no. Community safety comes first, and the, the, the people in, in this circumstance should be kept in custody. So I think that's, again, it's not the answer. It's part of the answer to uh, keeping levels of crime down, which is supporting the police, giving them the kinds of resources they need, changing the laws, and investing in kids and families. It's a, it's a package deal, and we're trying to do all of those, but including uh, investing in more police resources, 200 more new officers. And, you know, those who are critical of this and say it shouldn't happen uh, are some of the same people that call my office looking for increased patrols in their neighborhoods uh, when there's trouble. And I just find that kind of, um, you know, duplicity to be uh, something that causes me to shake my head. John Tory's our guest on Toronto Today. We're getting you the morning also after a story in the Toronto Sun about a man being pushed onto the subway tracks. He was able to get off the tracks and save his life. We saw an example of that in, in April, a woman pushed by another woman onto the tracks. That, that woman who did the pushing is charged with attempted murder. But we've also seen the murders of two women on the TTC. It's a massive problem. How much do you think this factors in to, um, to people being concerned or hesitant to be on public transit? I think it's a factor. I think that the people's perception of the health, uh, you know, aspects of being on the transit, people's perception of safety, uh, and then uh, really, I guess the biggest single factor, of course, is just people changing their work habits in the aftermath of the pandemic. But having said that, the safety part is something we have to address, and so that's why yesterday uh, I announced that we will uh, invest an additional sum of money, millions of dollars, in having increased uh, security provisions to 50 new special constables who can be on the streetcars and subway cars and on the platforms. Uh, uh, but again, that's not the solution by itself. We're also going to have some uh, outreach workers uh, who are not police officers, who are not in uniform, that are going to help people on the subways who are struggling with either mental illness or homelessness or both. Um, because, again, there's a very complex set of circumstances that are happening in the aftermath of the pandemic. A lot of this that we're talking about here today uh, tied to mental health. I mean, you don't mean to tell me that somebody who just randomly goes up and stabs somebody on a subway platform isn't suffering from some kind of mental illness. That's not a normal thing to do when it's a complete stranger, random. You know, thing to do. So there's a huge mental health crisis as well. And all of these things are things we have to uh, deal with. And I'm trying to deal with the ones that are directly the city's responsibility, like policing, like transit safety. Uh, but I need help from the other governments on things like mental health and substance use issues that are very much out there. How can is this the, the fair increase? Do you worry you want to get back to pre-pandemic ridership levels? Absolutely, you do. Uh, will the fair increase factor into that? 
I hope not. Uh, you know, what we've done to try to, you know, protect people who are particularly affected by the fare increases, we've frozen the fares for seniors who are often on fixed incomes. We've added 50,000 people to the ranks of those who can apply for the low-income fare pass, which gives them a huge discount. Uh, and and uh, so I think that that, and, and we've kept the increase itself to 3.1%, which is well below the rate of inflation. Let's remember, we have, for example, just take diesel uh, fuel alone. It's, it's a huge cost for the TTC. And of course, as people know, very similar to gasoline prices, the price of diesel has gone up dramatically. So if we want to keep operating the system, uh, you know, with, with good service, and some of the money from the fare increase is going to go to enhanced service on some of the overstressed uh, bus routes. So, uh, and, and I should say one more thing, which is that the subsidy coming from the taxpayers at large from the city uh, totals almost a billion dollars, an all-time record. When I became mayor, it was $400 million. Now it's up to a billion. So that we're trying our best to use money collected from all of the taxpayers to keep the cost of traveling on the TTC down and to encourage people to use transit. And so it, it's all of those things you mentioned. We're just going to have to keep working at all of them. John Tory's our guest. Uh, Ontario Place, need to get a, a couple in on this. I think people are confused as to what's sort of the provincial jurisdiction for Ontario Place. What can the city's influence be on some of the plans being reviewed? That is a really, really good question. And I will just tell you that, quite frankly, when the province, which kind of controls pretty much everything we do, I think, to too great an extent, frankly, but they do, when they own a piece of land, they can just do whatever they want with it. They don't have to uh, respect the city's jurisdiction. In this case, they have chosen to do so by agreement. So they've submitted an application for the redevelopment of Ontario Place, and that is what has just been submitted and will soon be the subject of the usual kinds of public uh, consultations and so on. And there is uh, there are different opinions on this about what should be done with Ontario Place. One thing I do support is to find ways to make sure we can get people there to use that great place all year round, not just in the summer. But the bottom line is there is an application into the city for the usual kind of approval that anybody would put in uh, to build something. Um, and that at the moment, the province is respecting the city's jurisdiction to have a look at that sort of thing. And uh, the public will be invited to uh, take part as well. I know we're tight for time, but people don't seem to like the parking lot idea. I think people know there needs to be some mix of private and public and we, and we still want it to be as brilliant maybe as it's ever been but people seem to hate the idea of of digging deep into the into the the earth as it were and having a parking lot for something maybe that only gets utilized four or five months a year to its full extent you know, that's also a really good point, and I think we're going to have to take that up, and that's part of the development review process, because the other point I would make, aside from digging into the earth and so on, is that the new Ontario line, transit line, in which we're investing billions of dollars collectively as three governments, uh, is, is going to end right there at Ontario Place, so that, like you wouldn't really think in most cases to take your car to the Scotiabank Arena, like it's just not a great place to take a car. Um, you know, why do you want to make arrangements for a multi-thousand car parking lot uh, to go to a place that you can get right off the transit? and be right at the door. So mm. I think that's part of what this development review process is going to take a look at because it also that uh, parking lot you make reference to that's proposed is very expensive. Yeah, to the tune of, of maybe $450 million. Exactly. Um, and uh, and sometimes things don't stay on budget. I, yeah. I don't need to tell you that. Thanks very much for the time. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and we'll chat again on this issue soon. Anytime. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Right.